you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Good morning. I'm Pastor Greg Rubel, so glad to welcome you uh, to Living Streams. You know, I put the chairs back to normal, and I didn't remember where I used to sit. I'm like, I'm a mess this morning. I really am. I mean, you don't have a bulletin because they're still at home. I did them. I emailed it, so you can get it on, you know, in, in your email. Uh, so, you know, that's my fault. And yesterday I got friendly with my razor up here, you know. I, I had this, like, blood streaming down my cheek and went down, and Lori's like, are you okay? I'm telling you, I'm a mess. So I need your prayers uh, this morning as we jump in here to uh, 2 Thessalonians. You can take your Bibles and turn there. If you would, and we're going to look at that whole first chapter. See, I, I'm a mess. I mean, they tell you not to do that kind of thing. But we're, we're going to do it. So we're starting back up uh, the series Next Level Living. Um, we went through the book First Thessalonians. And so really, I guess it's a new series called Next Level Living 2. Very creative, right? <laughs> um, so I have a message for you called Rising Up. Uh, this morning. So let's read this. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Whew. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you for this good word. There is so much here to absorb, so we need your help this morning to, to listen, to tune our ears to your voice. Uh, because I, 
I come to you a mess this morning. And I'm sure there are others who could say the same. Um, We need you, Lord. We need you to help us. We need you to comfort us and strengthen us and show us the way to light the path. We don't know what to do, but we know you. And we want to believe and love and grow and be your people more and more. And so I pray, Father, as we, as we look at this chapter, that you'd build us up, that you'd help us rise up as your church in McCoursville, Indiana, in 2021, for such a time as this. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it is no secret that I am a Boilermaker. Now, I know I'm going to alienate some of you there, but just hang in there with me. I graduated from Purdue in 1989, and so really all that did was cement me as a follower of Purdue for the rest of my life. Uh, Dad graduated from Purdue in 1962. Three. Three. So, for as long as I can remember, uh, we've been bent toward Purdue, bent toward Purdue sports. Um, I don't think it was a, a condition that I went to Purdue, but... It didn't have to be. <laughs> there was no other college, you know, on, on the planet. So here's why I'm telling you all this. I happened to see the way too early preseason college basketball polls for next year. <laughs> yeah. And there are many people who are, who are saying Purdue is going to be ranked in the top five teams in the country. And um, so I, I'm optimistic about the next season, but I'm not sure I was that optimistic uh, so it's really great. We've got these four freshmen that played this year. They played a lot. They grew a lot. And a lot of people are talking about them. One guy's seven, four giant, you know, and, you know, they're just a fun basketball team to watch. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they will do next year. Purdue men's basketball team is a basketball team that is on the rise. They are rising up in the rankings of the nation. Well, we've been looking at First Thessalonians and this new church there that got started when Paul went there in 48 A.D. And then he wrote First Thessalonians to them around 50 A.D., somewhere in there, about a year and a half after his visit. And he wrote to a church that was rising up, a church that was on the rise. And these books, they are filled with strength and encouragement and hope to live our lives on the next level. Now, I've been using that phrase since the beginning of the year, um, next level living. So I thought I'd give it a little, a little definition again and, and try to give you a, a little meaning of what that, when you hear me say that, what does that mean? Well, next level living is, is actually experiencing the eternal life that Jesus said he came to give us. Remember, he said, I came to give life and that life abundantly. So next level living is experiencing that life. It is a spiritual life that is alive because of Christ in us. His are the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is a life that is focused on the life beyond this life because that life is a lot longer than this life. Okay, so we're focused on the next level. Next level living is, is doing life with Jesus. It is 
walking with him every day. It is talking to him every day. It is serving him, working for him, worshiping him because he saved us and we're going to see him again. And I believe that Living Streams is a church that is rising up. Jim Jim described it there uh, before his prayer. I mean, this chapter that we just read is going to help us continue on, on that on that rise. And so that is my prayer for us as a church, that we will just be rising up to what God calls us to do because He is risen. He is risen indeed. Yeah, He still is. All right, Paul starts this second letter to the Thessalonians in a similar way that he started the first letter. Okay, so it, and it's easy to just kind of read through those first two verses, like the from to, the greeting, and the, and the blessing, and just kind of get to the meat of the letter. But what, what, we're, what we've got in the first two verses, there is strength from the past there for us uh, to rise up in, in the present. So this list of people, this from to part of the letter, it's the same as the first one. Okay, so the the three missionaries are still together. And so that gives us a clue that 2 Thessalonians was written not too long after 1 Thessalonians. So in in a pretty close proximity to each other. And so, in fact, in chapter 3, verse 11, it sounds like Paul gets some new information about what was going on in the church. And so he took that opportunity to send them another letter, more strength, more encouragement, more hope for their new lives in Christ. Now, 2 Thessalonians is written to the church, the ecclesia, the gathering of Thessalonian believers who are in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 2 is a blessing over them, Paul's blessing. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this was a group of Jesus followers who now have a relationship with the living God by faith in the Son of God and what, what He has done. God is called their Our Father. That's how Paul refers to them. So that is telling the Thessalonians, hey, you are in the family of God now. Just like us, He is our Father. Just because you're new doesn't mean you're low in a totem pole. You have a Heavenly Father. And they are recipients of God's grace. His unearned, undeserved Favor, And they are recipients of God's peace because their sins have been forgiven. That peace that comes from knowing that everything is right between you and, the, and our Heavenly Father. And, and that peace comes from the, knowing that you have been loved with an everlasting love. That nothing can separate you from by the Creator God who is able to do far more than ever anything we could ever ask or imagine. That is what's going on. So as we look in the rearview mirror, you know, back at this church, there's strength for us there because what is true for them is true for us as a church of McCordsvillians. That's hard to say. Try it, McCordsvillians. So as followers of Christ, those that have trusted in him, who have believed in his name, who have welcomed him into our lives, we are now in God. We are called His children. He is also our Father. You know, so God, our Father, th- this, is, this is the great I Am here we're talking about. Th- this is the Lord God Almighty, the God Most High. You know, the, the eternal God. 
the shepherd, the master, the healer, the provider, the strong tower. This is the God we're talking about. And the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the same God that the Thessalonians were getting to know in a personal way is the same God we can know in a personal way. Woo! That's good news. They were a church in God our Father. We are a church in the same God our Father. You know, God put the vision for our church, not in my heart, but in a praying man named Don Kennedy who passed away last year. And he started praying that we would um, come up to his neighborhood. He lived in Mount Comfort. Come up this way and that we would start a church. And so we heard that call. We wrestled with that call. But then we surrendered to God's will and we started to pray. We started to pray for people. We started to pray for a place, for protection, for power, and for provision. And God has answered all of those prayers. You are in a place that God chose for his name to dwell. He chose it. He opened the door for us to be here. We are a church in God. We exist by his good pleasure and not by my great abilities or our great worship team. It doesn't depend on me. It doesn't depend on us. We are in God. It is by his good pleasure. And I'll tell you, there is so much strength in that. And if the last 12 years didn't prove that God was with us, the last year sure did. I mean, look at it. We have made it through the teeth of a pandemic and God has been pruning us and he's been adding to us. And so he is preparing us for the next chapter of ministry here at Living Streams. I find so much strength in the fact that it doesn't depend on me to keep the door open and the lights on. And the ministry going and the ministry flowing at Living Streams. This is God's church and we are in him. It belongs to him. We are his people. And what we want is that we want that this church to be a reflection of or a testimony to that it was not by man's strength or might or power, but by his spirit that we are here and that we are doing something for the kingdom. That's what I want. That's what I want. And guess what, believer? It is the same for you. Personally, for you. I know at some point in your past, you put your faith in Jesus. You know, you trusted him with your life, with your sins. It opened up the doors to know God. But I want you to know, make no mistake, that happened because somebody was praying for you to do that. Maybe somebody was praying for you by name to do that. And God began to draw you. And you saw the one who wasn't beautiful as the most beautiful person that you've ever seen. And you trusted your life to him. When you did that, you jumped into his hands. And guess what? There is nothing you can do to get out of his hand. Nothing you can do. You are safe in him. You can rest in him. You'll get home because of him. The work is finished. It's finished. And there's strength in that. All of your sins are forgiven. That death that's coming to your body right now has been conquered because he is risen. Yeah. So hear this. And hear this. There's nothing you can do to change that truth in your life. If that is true for you, 
it'll be true for the rest of your life whether you are faithful or not. I don't want you to live that life, but that's true. And there's strength in that. He will get you home. Now hear that blessing that Paul gave to the Thessalonians. Hear it as a, ble- as a blessing direct to you. Right? Grace to you and peace from God our Father. You know, God said after, after he rescued his people from Egypt, he said, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. What a promise. And he led them out into the desert and he gave them bread from heaven and water from rocks. And they didn't listen to him. They wanted to do their own thing. And he let them. And they paid the consequences. You know, he gives us that same promise. And he gives us that same freedom. If we will look to him, and we will listen to him and follow him, he's going to show up in our lives, and he's going to give us what we need, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. He says, open wide your mouth, and I will fill it. Look to me. Follow me. And all of this grace, it's poured out on you. Now, what happens when we don't? When we don't look to him and listen to him and follow him? You know what happens? He still shows up in our life. Now, and and what's he doing then? He's trying to get us to look to him and listen to him and follow him. I don't care who you are, believer, unbeliever. If you're turned away from him, that's what he's trying to do. He's showing up in your life whether you see it or not. And that's called grace. He is after you. He will not let you alone. Even if you say, I don't want you, he will come after you. Even if you think you've walked away a thousand steps, he's right behind you. You'll find out when you turn around. And when you turn around and you see that he's right there, you're going to say, it is well in my soul. Thank you, Jesus. That is grace. That is love. That is true. And there is strength for you right there in that. And let us not forget how all of these beautiful things are possible for us. Paul didn't forget. He included Jesus' name in the, in the greeting right there. The one who came. He lived our life. He died our death so we could have his life with him forever. You know, that peace with God that comes to us has come at a very high price. Very high price. Jesus has opened the door to God's presence for us. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. There is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved except the Lord Jesus Christ. No one has ever died for you. And no one has ever conquered the grave except Him. That's truth. How do you get all this? Believe. Believe. Look to the Son and believe in Him. Trust Him. When you do that, you are in Christ and He's got you. You belong to Him, just like this church does. Look to Him. Listen to Him. Lots of strength from the past there for us to rise up today. So Paul continues. And as he continues here, we're going to find some goals Uh, for the present, to help us rise up. In verses 3 and 4, Paul is gushing. He's gushing over his spiritual children. He's like, we always ought to be giving thanks for you. I mean, it is so right to do this because you are growing abundantly in your faith and your love is increasing for each other. And, you know, I just noticed when I read that again, 
the love of every one of you. So every person in the church, their love was growing for one another. Whoa. I mean, that is saturated love in church. Beautiful. I always am talking you up, he says, to the other churches, the other God gatherings. I'm always talking about you because your perseverance under the pressure of persecution. So you're continuing to go even though it's hard. And so I'm boasting about you to other people. I'm telling your story to others. Now, truthfully, I have never been much of a goal setter in, in my life. And it, since competitive swimming, I had a whole book of goals when I was swimming. But now you left that behind. You know, most of the goals I would set for myself, I would say are the, the selfish bent kind, you know. And I didn't much like failing. And so I didn't want to risk failing to meet a goal. So I just wouldn't set them. Um, and then God's goals are always way better, way better than than I would come up with. So here's some goals that God has for us as a believer and for us as a church, right here in these two verses, growing in faith, growing in love, and growing under pressure. Those are three goals, wonderful goals. So let's go through this. How is your faith today? You know, it's very much like a muscle. If you do not take it out and exercise it, it's going to shrink. And you know, I was thinking, the last six months for me has not been kind to my muscles. The last six months, I've done a lot, hardly any exercise, and I, you know, I comfort food has been on the menu a, a lot, and so I'm reaping the consequences uh, for all of that, uh, especially as I've tried to get outside and mow the grass for the first time. Um, so I've been growing, but just not in ways that I need to grow. Um, so, you know, I said, told you I was a mess. So more of me to love. Um, so faith, faith is is similar. Faith that stays on the inside of you is not going to grow. Faith needs to be taken out and and taken for a walk every day. Every day. You know, I identify with with the disciple Peter a lot because of his failures. But I want to identify with Peter because of his faith. I mean, you think about Peter. He, He is the one who who dropped his nets when he heard, come follow me. He said, I'm coming. He, he is the one who got out of the boat and walked on water at least a, a, a few steps. I mean, seriously, that's pretty cool. He, he is the one who confessed Christ publicly when he was asked. He was the one who stood before the religious elite, the Sanhedrin, and preached about Christ, how they crucified Christ. That's courage. That's faith. He is the one who went to the home of Cornelius, that Roman centurion who was whose prayers had been coming up before God, and, and God wanted Peter to go to him. And he, he went based on a vision. Wow. Peter is the one who gave his life by crucifixion, but he did it upside down because he thought, because he said it wasn't uh, he wasn't worthy to be crucified like his savior was. Why, why did that happen to him? Because of his public exercise of faith in Jesus. And there's some goals there. There's some goals there. There's some goals to help you rise up. So ha- have you gotten out of the boat lately? You know, that, that might happen in a conversation with somebody you've been praying for to know the Lord. Now, so do, your, do your conversations cause you to walk by faith? It, it might happen through your giving. 
You know, like when you give to the church in a way that God has, has asked you to give, does your giving cause you to walk by faith? It, it might happen when you make a decision to say yes to God in some new way, like a, a new way to serve him. It takes you outside your comfort zone. You know, does, does your obedience to God, your serving, does, does that exercise your faith? Now, those are just a few examples of, of how to, to take it out and, and walk it. Just, just a few examples. I mean, you can take your faith out anywhere and exercise it. So anywhere you're afraid, you can exercise faith. Anywhere where it's out of your control, there's a, a chance to exercise faith. Anywhere where God gives you this new opportunity to say yes to him, there's a chance to exercise faith. You can do any of those things, but what you can't do is keep it inside and call it faith. That doesn't work. So there's a goal there, growing in your faith. Thessalonians were also growing in love for one another. Everybody in the church was growing in their love for one another. Now Paul uses that Greek word agape right there for love. And that is the highest form of love that we can show to other people because that's the kind of love that God has loved us with. Okay, that, that, that kind of love, this love, this agape, it is not the feeling kind of love that we, you know, think about, that, you know, that kind of comes and goes. It is, it is even not the, the friendship kind of love that we have between, um, you know, people. It's really good and beautiful. Um, this love, it doesn't really even depend on if you like the other person, you know, to be shown. It doesn't depend on them deserving it. In fact, they can't deserve it. They can't earn it, this kind of agape love. This is the kind of love that can be seen. Uh, and the best demonstration of that is the cross. You know, on Good Friday, we had a great reminder of that. You know, Pastor Randy shared the overwhelming demonstration from Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 8, that God... God showed his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is agape love. You know, right there. Right there. It, it's shown. You can see it. Now, Paul wrote in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, he wrote about agape love. And he gives you a myriad of ways to show uh, this love to others in their lives. So here's what he wrote. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up. Never loses faith. Is always hopeful. And endures through every circumstance. So when you are patient with people who require patience, you're showing agape love. When you customize your niceness because you know the person and you get involved, that's kindness. When you do that, you're showing agape love. When you are happy for someone else's good, when you shine light on their accomplishments, when you serve behind the scenes and respond, respond to bad manners with gratitude, you are demonstrating agape. 
When you give up your way for someone else's way. When your bad day doesn't manifest as grouchiness to people around you. When you forget injuries done to you, it is agape flowing from your life. When you have sorrow over injustice, when you're jumping for joy, when the truth wins, when you keep going, when you keep taking your faith for a walk, when you're always looking to God to get hope no matter what's going on in front of you and around you, you are showing agape. Is that kind of love growing in your life? Ask somebody else. Because chances are when you read that list, you see how far you got to go. But you know what? We all know that we've got room to grow. But that's not the question we want to answer. The question is, is this love growing in my life? What do I look like today as opposed to a year ago when it comes to agape love in my life? And a lot of times you need somebody else to tell you that. And I just want you to do that and and tell them, I give you permission to tell me it's not. Because you need to tell them that or they won't tell you that. So the third goal is to grow under pressure. The Thessalonian church was under attack by Satan through neighbors, through family, members of their old synagogue, political officials in the city. Every day there was this social pressure to hide their faith and withhold their love. Every day. And every day that they went to meet together for worship in someone's home, there was a threat of hostility against them. So Paul came to Thessalonica, he preached the gospel, people heard it, they believed, they started meeting, and Satan saw an opportunity to get something that just got started to stop. And so he used friends, families, neighbors, leadership in the city to stop the church from continuing, but they kept on going, and they kept on growing under pressure. Pressure, trials, persecution, they are not the enemies of our faith. They are fertilizer for it. They're fertilizer to keep us growing. If we'll offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, that this is our spiritual act of worship, we will do that every day, giving ourselves to God. When the pressure comes, a growth spurt will come in your life with God. You'll be rising up. Somebody be saying, look at that person. They are on fire for God. They're growing in the Lord. Now, a big reason the Thessalonians were among that group was because they had hope. Hope from the future to rise up. All throughout these letters, the first and second letters that Paul wrote, he keeps reminding them that Jesus is coming back. In verses 5 to 10, he, he brings that up again. And there's, there's so much solid information in here about the future. And it gives us so much hope. So there's hope in here from the future for today. In fact, honestly, you can't find a better source of information about tomorrow than this right here. You can't find it. This tells us exactly what is coming. Exactly. For sure, no doubt, what is coming. So what is coming? Well, first of all, 
a day, the day, is coming. It's on God's calendar. What's tomorrow? What's tomorrow? Twelfth, Monday, right? Monday's my day off. And I try to make that my Sabbath day, you know. And um, the truth is, there's no guarantee I'm going to get it. I mean, here's what you need to know about Monday. You may not get it. Right? It may not come for you. And it might not come for two reasons. One, this is your last day on earth and God's going to take you home. Or two, this is our last day on earth as we know it and God's coming home. One of those two things is, you know, could happen so that Monday doesn't happen. So the day that Paul is writing about is more sure than Monday is for us tomorrow. The day is, it's coming. And there's hope in that. And on that day, justice is coming. God's justice. So the verses begin there they, they, saying that this persecution that the Thessalonians were experiencing because of their faith was evidence that God's judgment was righteous. Now that's uh, something to let sink in there. But I learned this cool word, cool word in seminary. Theodicy. Theodicy. It means the defense of God's character and judgment. It's a major theme in the book of Revelation. Um, what he's going to do is going to be so terrible, it needs justification. It's a, there's a defense, theodicy. So Paul is making the point that the suffering of believers at the hands of unbelievers for their faithful practice of believing is evidence that God's judgment is righteous. It is right. So this is not suffering because you know we live in a fallen world. This is not suffering because we sin. This is not suffering because we're getting older and our bodies are you know, groaning. It's not that kind of suffering. This is suffering because we are believers that are believing even though all hell is against us. It's that kind of suffering. And so the Thessalonians, they were suffering social rejection, family rejection, hostilities from the community and the leaders of the city, all because they said yes to Jesus and they were proving their yes by their public faith and their costly love. That was what was going on. And so Paul is saying, take heart, God is going to make all of this right. It's all going to be exactly right. Justice is coming. On that day, relief is coming. All of that pushback, all of that pressure, all of that persecution, all of the trials produces pain in our bodies, in our minds, and in our hearts. It hurts to be attacked and to be accused and to be abandoned because you said yes to Jesus. It hurts to see family members walk away from you or stay away from you because you believe in Jesus. It hurts to lose a job, to lose a friend, to lose a church member. It hurts to feel the sword that Jesus said he would bring that would divide our closest relationships. It hurts. But our faith will be proved by our faithfulness when it hurts. 
You know, the devil has used the lie against believers for as long as there's been believers that since we are suffering, well, it must mean God's really not there. Why would he let his children suffer like that? Or it must mean that God doesn't really care. Or it means that he's left you. You know, you've gone too far. Or it means you're the problem. These people are acting like that because you've done something wrong. That's, de- that's the devil. He's always going to try and accuse us. Sometimes his accusations are dead on. And we say, yeah, talk to the guy on the cross. But sometimes they're lies. And he tries to get us to listen to those lies. That our believing is wrong. Don't listen to him. Listen, all of that brings pain. But on this day, relief is coming. You know about pain relief, right? Well, if you're young, you might not. (laughs) I remember those days. Oh, man. Pain relief. I mean, it's, it's instantly all the pain of all of this stuff that's building up over the years from being faithful to Jesus will be gone. You know, I was born with flat feet. You know, and so my feet have been a source of pain my whole life. And I developed plantar fasciitis. And I tried all kinds of ways to get pain relief. I got cushy shoes. I got uh, shoe inserts. I got straps to put around my feet. All of this stuff to try to get rid of this plantar fasciitis pain, and nothing seemed to work. So imagine waking up in the morning after a good eight hours sleep, putting your feet on the ground and feeling like someone all night took a hammer and beat on the bottom of your feet. That's what it felt like for me on Monday mornings after Sunday of ministry. So I finally decided to go to the doctor. And the doctor did two things for me. First of all, he made me some orthotics. And after a few months in my shoes, the pain was pretty much gone. The other thing he did for me was he gave me a cortisone shot in the bottoms of both of my feet. Now, as unpleasant as that sounds, I walked out of there pain-free. I mean, it was instantaneous. No pain. I mean, I was like going to the car. (laughs) This is cool. Now, it only lasted a couple of days, but it was awesome for those couple of days. We who are living in constant pain because of the pressure, because of the persecution, because of the trials. Listen, relief is coming. It is coming and it will last forever and you won't get it via shot in the bottom of your foot. It's coming. On that day, vengeance is coming. God tells us in the Bible to not take revenge for the wrongs done to us. That's a way, it's a way to show agape love to people, a powerful way, when we don't take revenge into our own hands. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Um, But that doesn't mean that God forgets what happened to us. And he doesn't forget how we responded to it. And he's going to repay those that troubled us, that afflicted us because we believed. And he's going to repay them with the worst kinds of trouble because they didn't believe. So what is still wrong today is going to be made right. What is still an open wound in your heart is going to be healed. 
<laughs> what is hidden in the darkness, the false accusations, is going to come into the light. Vengeance God is going to bring. He's going to bring it because people picked on his children. And that vengeance is going to be perfectly right and just and unimaginably awful. Unbelievers will be separated from God forever. Not able to get to him. Not able to experience his glory. They will be receiving the just punishment for their sins against the holy God. This eternal destruction. So who's in danger of this horrible punishment? Paul describes them as those who don't know God or obey his gospel. As two descriptors of the same person. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a call to faith. And it opens the way for us to know God. And it calls us to a life, living a life of worshipful obedience because of all he's done for us. If you don't want to do what Jesus wants you to do or asks you to do, or even if you don't care what he says, something is wrong in your heart. And I would encourage you to make it your first priority today to figure out what it is. Because his vengeance is coming. His vengeance is coming on people who don't know him and don't care to follow him. Believer, take your wounds to God. Take your wounds to God. Let him take care of it. He's going to make it right. You are called to love these people in response to the hurt that they cause. And you can do that because his vengeance is coming. And on that day, revelation is coming. Said Jesus is going to be revealed from heaven. (laughs) Entrance into this world like no one has ever seen. And everyone's going to see it. Everyone, all eyes are going to see this. And get this, all believers, living and dead, from the past and the present, will rise up in the air to meet him. They will join the angel army. We will come back with him and all of his angels in that holy, uh, in that holy blazing fire from heaven, bringing the king back here to set up his kingdom to help him fulfill his promises of a new heaven and a new earth. That's, that's going to be a great revelation. He's coming. We're going to see him. Have you ever longed to see somebody so badly it hurt? Maybe you had some of that last year. You know, you couldn't get to the person that you wanted to see. Uh, I think for me, the closest thing that I experienced that is when I have been to India. You know, and it's so far away, and I'm away from my family, I'm away from Lori, and it hurts. After, for after a few days, it hurts. I'm like ready to see them so bad. And it's like, you know, when I'm sleeping, they're awake. When uh, they're sleeping, I'm awake. And it's just every day. That hurt grows. The longing to see them grows. One of my favorite parts about going to India is coming home. (laughs) It's coming home to hug Lori and the kids. Believer, do you have some of that about Jesus? Do you have some of that? Because that's a major source of hope from the future for us to rise up in the present. 
The more you're proving your faith with your faithfulness today, the more you can't wait for this revelation. He's coming. He's going to be revealed. One more. On that day, worship is coming. You know, last week we had a special time out there under the tent. It was beautiful. It was really awesome. Um, I, I loved hearing you sing. I loved seeing you together. All of that, all of that made all the efforts to go out there and you know have Easter outside. It all, all made it, made it worth it. But I, I know this. That was just a sniff of what this is going to be like when this day comes, when the worship comes. We are going to marvel. It says that we'll be marveling at the one we have believed in. We will see the most beautiful person that we have ever seen. Can you imagine that? We will know the meaning of reverence and awe. We will know it finally. We will bow the knee. We will confess together that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And we will praise His name together in this chorus of the saints like we have never done before. It will be perfect pitch. In fact, you that don't sing because you know you shouldn't, you will be singing at the top of your lungs and worshiping the Savior. It's coming. The worship is coming. There is hope from the future. Right here for our present day. Perseverance. Take it. Take it all. Take all you can get because you are going to need it in these days that we are living in. Let's have Isaiah and Butch back up. Take all that hope. Take all the strength from the past. We are a church in God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in the bullseye of His abundant grace to be poured out. Take it all. Listen, He will get His work done in us and through us as we give ourselves to Him. It's not up to us. He is faithful and He will do it. Remember that in 1 Thessalonians? Did you underline it in your Bible? If you didn't, go read the whole book today and find it. Because you need to remember it. He is faithful. He will do it. These goals here, they're goals for the present to grow. Grow on our faith. Grow on our agape. Keep growing when the growing gets tough. It's God's will for our life. It's how we bring Him glory. It proves our salvation. I know there's pain involved. But take heart, there's hope from the future. A lot of hope. The day is coming that will be full of justice and relief and vengeance. Full of revelation and worship. And guess what? It might be today might be today. We might not get Monday. I might not get my day off and that would be totally fine with me. Either way, it would happen. The last two verses, I didn't forget them. Paul tells the Thessalonians how he is praying for them. And it's a, it's a prayer for rising up. And it's how I want to pray for us today, uh, for, for rising up. So let's stand and, and let's just uh, go to the Lord in prayer before we sing. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. We are rejoicing. We are glad. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his love. His love for you. It took him to the cross. 
his love for us that kept him there. Thank you for the gift of eternal life that comes through him. Enable us to live a life worthy of this call, your call. Give us your power to accomplish all the good things you have planned for us to do. All the things that our faith prompts us to do. We need your power, Lord. We want the name of our Lord Jesus to be honored because of the way that we live. We want people to see our faith, to see our love, because it's the kind of love that we have received from you. And we pray for the one, maybe here today, maybe listening online, who doesn't know you, who doesn't obey you. We pray you would give them the grace to see that and jump into your hands by faith. It's all possible because of your good grace and our Lord Jesus Christ. Pour that grace out on us, out on us today as we pray these things in Jesus' powerful and mighty name. All God's people said, Amen.